Hello everyone, bonjour, and welcome to the second episode of the Summer of Amp miniseries. Once again, this miniseries is about my recent travels all around Europe and telling you guys the things I saw and creating a new type of content through my jot notes. It's, it's, it's fun because I only get like a couple words to use, but now I have to create a whole episode. Well, today, this episode is going to be about the Wonderland of Paris. Honestly, I think it was the place I enjoyed the most that throughout that entire month. Just because of the amount of things to see there. And once again, I just want to remind you amazing people that this is my first or technically second time recording at home. So if you hear any background noise in the back, I'm honestly really sorry about that. And before I start this episode, I also just want to add that while I'm on, while I'm ranting on and on about my vacation, I want to help you guys out. So in each episode, I want to give some tips or maybe some things to look out for, depending on where I'm talking about. And with that in mind, I want to start this episode off with my, I guess my things to remember with the Birmingham Blues. For Birmingham, I would definitely suggest visiting the, the main downtown especially the shopping district. It was when I went there, it was honestly a really open and vibrant place that mixed like commercial like stores and like there was like a really big mall there. And at the same time there was a really cool amount or really good amount of like cultural monuments or like churches or like statues. And overall the entire uh like vibe of that place was really um really once again, it was really vibrant. You could see how Birmingham and how British culture is and how people were and how it's honestly, like I said, like I said in the first episode, it, everything has its little tweaks, especially the people. Everything there was a, a little bit different, which honestly was great just to be or just to have the idea that you're in a whole different country. You're in a whole different world. And overall, I think the shopping district was really nice. Um, I guess a place to eat. I was just, there was this little shop in the shopping district called a uh, German Donor Kebab, or simply just JDK, uh, which had really, honestly, amazing service, really good food, and it was actually surprisingly cheap for the amount of food that you're getting. Uh, for those who don't know, Donor is essentially like shawarma, so it's like traditional uh, German shawarma was honestly really good and it was not the best shawarma i've had because i went to germany so uh but if you aren't going to germany then i would definitely suggest jdk it was it was really good so now on to paris the land of escargots and baguettes honestly i had a couple things in mind with paris and I just want to confirm to you guys that the police do not do not use baguettes instead of batons. I was very sad to see that they used real batons and not baguettes. So big sad on that. So honestly, I didn't... People... So overall, Paris was honestly such an amazing experience. And it, it's really, it was annoying because people always talked bad about it. Like my cousins, friends, like just people I know, they always say that like Paris is like, oh, Paris is overrated. You're not going to like enjoy it as much. You're not going to do this. 
but I was overwhelmed with the amount of things to see. And it always goes two ways. From what I heard between uh, all the people I've talked about, it's either the fact that you get... Uh, There's a term for it, I forgot. Well, There's a term that you honestly will get like depressed over the fact that you were expecting so much from Paris and you were greeted with absolutely nothing. So uh, there's it could go either that way or you could go it my way, which you had no expectation whatsoever and you were absolutely mind-blowing from the amount of things to see and the amount of things to do. So before before I actually start talking through my notes, I just want to say that people really only talk about like the main couple of things. So maybe just the like just the museum, like the Louvre, the Eiffel Tower, um and like the Arc de Triomphe and the Champs Elysees, just like that main pocket of like the main attractions and the main like touristy areas. That's all people necessarily talk about. But I can tell you firsthand that's not how it is. Paris was honestly the most, like the greatest thing about that entire trip. I might be overstating it a little bit, cause it was because I enjoyed it so much. But the thing about Paris was that you were never bored with it. It seemed like every time everything was at such an insane level, everything was at its peak. Every little detail was so high up that everything else I saw after just was brought down just because of Paris. Paris was everything. So people only talk about the main things, but it seemed like every street I looked at, every corner I turned, every place I looked, there was something new. There was some church, some next statue. It was honestly to the point where, I believe this was our last day, we're taking the bus ride home, or like home like to our hotel, and me and my brother were literally, we were already absolutely like flabbergasted. We're like, you know what? The next street that's pulling up, complete boring street. Like, it's going to be nothing. It's just going to be an alleyway. And then we turned the corner to see a giant like building with a like a rectangular base. One of the biggest domes I've seen with a solid gold freaking roof. Like, we, we literally got off the bo- bus right then and there just to see whatever the hell that was. And it turned out to be Napoleon's grave. So, yeah. Paris is magical, honestly. I understand why people fall in love with the city. Because I honestly fell in love with it, too. There, there was... Everything about the city was perfect. Like... Uh, the entire I the entire city itself was always alive, even in the middle of the night to the morning. The city was always alive with bustling with like shops and like uh, like tourists and cafes. Every store had a patio of sorts, every store that possibly could, and there was always people there. Always there were people just chilling, having some coffee, having some like just eating, enjoying their food, talking to whoever they were with. And the city was always alive. So the hotel we stayed at was a, uh, I think, it, I believe it was a Novotel in and Suite. So it was, it, w- it wasn't necessarily like one of the like chain hotels you might see in North America. There's no, there's no necessarily much of a concept of like chain restaurants or like big groups of, um, 
like recognizable names of like specific buildings or specific things because like there's no supermarkets there because there's just cafes and gardens and like farmers markets everywhere so every everything was essentially um uh what's the word what's the word what's the word everything was alone in the everything was independent there we go independent that everyone was kind of living their own lives everyone was setting their own shops everyone was going to their own cafes going to their usual spots as you will and yeah so the hotel was was not bad i mean we had uh we had a predicament of sorts that someone that when we went to the hotel for the first time we tried to get into our room it was i think it was around like literally like one or two in at night because we had to take like the train and then bus and then train and this it took a long while to get there but someone was in our room even though we booked it two months in advance so the receptionist had messed up and it was a really trippy moment because we were like what if it's an evil twin that somehow got to our own hotel before us and it because the uh, people that got into our room they were they got there like only like a couple hours before us so it was very trippy uh but no i think the reception is just messed up and like gave her like the wrong room number but overall we had to switch rooms and it went from like the, i think it was like the seventh floor to like the third floor so i mean it, w- it was a bit of a bit of a like a underwhelming thing but it seemed like in our hotel literally there was always something going off always there was always something going wrong like maybe like the soap dispenser wasn't working or like the sh- one time the roof was leaking like literally like i think it was like uh just condensation from the ac but like it was just a puddle in the roof in the middle of our room yeah, it, it so it seemed like the hotel was very um, under maintenance. There was always something that needed to be fixed, and every time they told the receptionist, they would never do anything. They'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, we'll get to it. We'll do this. We'll do that. We're trying to make sure you're okay and whatnot, and like, yeah, and safety reasons and whatnot." But yeah, they never did anything. Never. It took like what we were there for about six days. And only in, like, the sixth day or, like, the fifth night, they started, like, they finished up doing things that should have been done on the first night. So, I think you guys, so, just be careful what hotel you're going to. Well, I mean, the, the hotel itself was nice. The rooms were nice. It was, like, a modern, very contemporary look. Uh, I also want to point out that transit is a very, very big thing there. Like, overall... Uh, we had, our hotel was right beside a bus stop and a train station and a subway station. So there was, so like the, it's like the cart that goes above ground and then the subway that goes underground and then the bus, which goes on the roads. So those were really helpful because we could literally get to anywhere we wanted within like an hour. Like, uh, we went to, uh, the church of Sakaka which was literally on the other side of the city and we got there about 45 minutes without a car so transit and like uh public transportation is a very big thing and it is overall in like all of europe especially especially in like the main touristy areas and like i said uh everyone's like very independent you'll see everyone's going on like their usual bus rides everyone's doing their own things and 
In terms of food, to be honest, there was actually a lot. Because, like I said, there's a lot of cafes and everything. And there was this cafe right beside our hotel. It was like, you could see it from our window. And we kind of just went there for breakfast, like, every day. Because there was so much stuff there, and everything was so good. Because there's, I guess there's a lot of competition. Because you, you can't necessarily make a name for yourself with only one cafe. So you're going to have to create good stuff for people to come back and eat that stuff. Instead of just going to another cafe down the street, maybe. So I forgot what the cafe was called. I'll search it up later, and I'll probably mention it in the next episode when I get some research done. But... That cafe, that cafe was absolutely amazing. It was, it was honestly, out of all the cafes we saw in Paris, that was probably the best one. Not only because they had, like, uh, pastries and, like, breakfast items, but they also had, like, lunch items. Like, I got their... I used to eat their paninis for breakfast because it was that good. The, just the bread itself was so fluffy, and I still remember it, even though it's almost been a, an entire month. Or not a month, it's been, it's been a couple weeks. And and overall, it's just that panini was amazing. It was a just normal uh, bread outside with like a marinara and like chicken with cheese. Oh my god! It was, and everything there was so cheap too. Just like Birmingham, everything there was pretty cheap. Even though they do use euros instead of pounds there, uh, it it still was fairly cheap. And there was a very big presence, I want to say, of Nutella. Now, I, I'm not 100% sure, but I, maybe Nutella's French because it seemed like every street shop, every corner, every like corner store, every cafe had something Nutella flavored or like something with Nutella and to the point where you go to like some bigger shops and they'd have these entire like buckets of just plain Nutella. And me being, well, me... I loved every bit of it. I absolutely love Nutella. I've loved it since I was a kid, and I still love it constantly now. So getting a an entire Nutella crepe for, like, almost two euros was absolutely perfect. So once again, just find your usual spot for how many days you're staying there. Be more... Like, if you have your usual spot, then you spend less time, meaning you get more time to look around. So the first spot we went to... Uh, was this giant church, which, honestly, it was absolutely mind-blowing. I believe it was um, St. Chapelle. I believe it was, that's the church. Some of you might know the names, but it was such a mind-blowing thing, such a mind-blowing uh, building, because not only was the church itself really good and really nice, but... If you went up the flight of stairs, you'd be greeted to this giant hallway, which was purely just stained glass. And it was so breathtaking, and there was so much to look at, and so much detail, that you would literally just stand there in absolute awe of the amount of stuff. And after doing a little bit of research, I realized... That those aren't just normal designs. There's a story to it all. And I came to the conclusion, or not the conclusion, that I found like my research. Uh, and it showed me that those stained glass were telling an entire 
story, not only just a story, but our story. That was the, I guess, the Christian, the Christian, uh, the Christian depiction, sorry about that. The Christian depiction of how the world will go from the beginning to the end. There was a, they told the entire story of the world through stained glass from Adam and Eve to the final, I guess, destruction of the universe. Telling everything through the Bible, through, uh, the, uh, I guess, like the main priests, I guess. But it seemed real. It seemed like it was actually going to happen at one point. Because everything was so perfectly designed. And it took hundreds of years. Because stained glass isn't really, is not easy to make. Especially a couple hundred years ago where you didn't have, like, ink and, like, um, colors and, like, dye at the ready. You had to, um... While making the glass, you had to add in some elements and it would form in its own color. So just imagine the amount of effort and the amount of tries and like the amount of difficulty you would make just to make one, one pane, one sheet of glass with its own colors, with its own design. Each, each pane or each window being an absolutely different uh, piece. And it was literally art. It was honestly art. So that church was an absolute mind-blowing um, view. And I and we honestly stayed there for like almost like two hours just in that one hallway trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Um, so, so the next day was we were visiting the Louvre, I believe. So for those who don't know, first of all, how do you not know what the Louvre is? Come on. Second of all, the Louvre is, I believe, the biggest museum in the entire world. Correct me if I'm wrong. But it was, honestly, I think we spent almost 16 hours in that museum for one day. And I think we did about 20 or like 25% of the museum. So it would literally take about weeks just to, like, just to understand and realize everything that was going on inside that one building we saw so many amazing things that dated from thousands of years back and it was it wasn't even just for one culture each culture had its own section of things to see from well i don't think this one about canadian uh, canadian artifacts but we'll, so we'll go from the egyptian artifacts to french and just from uh, South American to just uh, Russian. They were artifacts from all around the world. And they all converged. Or they, all, they were all placed into this one building. And the Louvre, honestly, I would suggest take your time with it. And try to, like... Have an open mind with it. Because there's so much to see. And if you expect like only the best. Then I don't think you're going to be absolutely amazed. Because you can only your brain can only process so much. It might sound a little contradictory. I think that's the word. A little, a little, a little, a little like um, confusing. Saying I'm like it's the best thing ever. But like you're going to get boring at times. Because obviously your brain can only comprehend so much. So after... Walking around for how many hours and just looking at however many things, you will get, like, tired. But, yeah, the Louvre was amazing. There was so much to see. 
I remember one of the artifacts in the ancient Egyptian section. There was a menu with hypo- with hieroglyphics. First, like, like, let me, let me, let me say, let me, let me, let me reiterate. There was a cafe menu from over three thousand years ago. Just, just imagine at what level the Egyptians were that they had that even idea of something that we have in today. I mean, like, look, look outside. You probably see some sort of store, some sort of fast food store, a McDonald's, Tim Hortons, Burger King, whatever. Just that the entire like it, it blows my mind to think that they were so advanced and some of their things were so um early. Like, just, they were using hieroglyphics. It wasn't even words. And they had a whole system on what you wanted to order and what food. And they translated it. It wasn't even just like a sheet of just pictures. They translated it. And there was literally an entire menu of things to buy and eat. So once again, I think the Louvre, you need to take your time with it. Because we, I remember, uh, once again, one of our last days... We literally, it took us hours just to look at the outside of the building itself. I think it was a palace for one king. But how, like, how full of yourself and how, like, selfish do you need to be that you have a countless amount of poor people in your country, in your city, yet your house, your house, sorry, your house is a whole city and we were honestly we were just fed up we were just fed up from the amount of statues and the amount of designs on each and every crevice and each and every square inch of that building and for my mom her favorite thing was the doors it might sound a bit a bit dumb but some of the doors had entire canvases carved within the metal or within the wood and and I, I was right there with her every time. I think some... I think the entire fact... You can create an entire picture with one door. And how creative those doors were. What type of door. Each little thing contributed to the overall image of that, you know, door. And here I am talking about the... Uh, just like the artifacts and the sculptures... First of all, first of all, first of all, in terms of statues, they were literal entire hallways and entire, like, just, um, buildings inside the Louvre of just statues and sculptures on anything from Greek gods to, um, French explorers. Literally everything had its own statue. It was even, I think, one of the statues I remembered... Uh, and the ones I, I enjoyed looking at the most, it was this statue of a little kid fighting with a duck. If you've seen my, anything on my Instagram, you know I absolutely love ducks. That point aside, um, that point aside, the entire, I guess, the detail on that sculpture was, um, was honestly so interesting to see how deep and how specific they would go for a little kid playing with a duck. To the point where you could literally see each individual feather on the duck. And you could see, uh, I guess, the dirt or the scratches that the kid had as he was playing with the duck. So, once again, 
Some of the sculptures are absolutely mind-blowing to literal no end. For paintings, I'm not even going to get into paintings, man. The paintings, there's no end to them. There was no end. They would tell entire stories and entire envisioned battles and wars. And however, whatever they wanted, just through a few brushes, a few uh, stokes, like that's not English. <laughs> a few, a few movements with their hands with ink through paintings, and I want to say that the Mona Lisa, it is a tad bit overrated, to be honest. It it was very cool, yes, and it honestly was something you could tell it was different, because there uh, it was it was still unfinished. Uh, Leonardo never fin finished it. There was still like the background which he still had to work on, but like he took inspiration from like multiple parts of the world, and there's like a secret on like the formation of her face. It's a really conspiracy-filled picture, but being worth a couple hundred billion, you know, just casually, a couple hundred billion. That's like ten zeros for a painting. Seems a tad bit over it, but it does have its own presence. And they really dedicated an entire room for it, which does make sense. But it, there, there were honestly better paintings, especially in that room itself. There was a picture right in front of, like, right on the other side of the room where the Mona Lisa was. And it literally covered the entire wall. And it was this entire, um, like, picture which was, like, captured in, in time where there were multiple levels of things going on. I believe it was in, like, the main uh, pantheon in Greece, where it showed, uh, like, the king and the emperor, whoever, and, like, all, like, the servants and, like, everything about that. There was so much to see. It was literally, it was looking like a Where's Waldo picture. Imagine that. There's so much detail and so much to look at that it was just filled to the brim with things. And yeah, the Louvre overall, I think it's absolutely insane to see. There was, there was, especially with paintings, there's so much to see, so much to look at. And, and continuing on, uh, let's talk about Versailles. Versailles was, I believe it was on like the far side of Paris. And it was honestly just, just mental. That's the only way I can explain it. It's mental. Because it was like the dynasty of between like five or six kings. Where even I believe one of the kings was about seven years old. Literally. I think, I think that's, how, that's how extreme it was. And it was like, you know, you know when you're playing Minecraft for the first time. And you pop into a survival or a creative world. And you just automatically give yourself, like, f you create a full diamond house. And you just make everything made out of diamonds. That, that That's what Versailles felt like. It Honestly, it got boring. Because it was just seeing the same thing over and over again. Of just, like, the roofs were art pieces. And there were entire rooms of just solid gold artifacts and solid gold things. And... Overall, it was a very, it got very boring at times because there's so much to see and it kept on repeating itself. So the place itself is called, you know, the Chateau or Palace de Versailles, but it was more than just a palace, come on. 
five kings, each with creative mode on. Every time there was a new king, they added a new part to the... Not even campus, the new part to the whole square. There was the giant house in the middle with like 75 bedrooms and like 89 washrooms and like... God. Uh, uh, but the area surrounding it had a whole like garden for like each of one of their sons like a private farm with like oh my god there, there was so much to see there but for the statues over there there was always it was like a easter egg hunt kind of like they had like statues hidden away in like little spots and they tried to personify like random things like i remember there was a statue for like the nighttime like a statue for like air and like whatnot so like really random things there was a statue for music one time i think so some of the statues were really interesting or interesting to say the least but this chateau versailles if you don't if you have time then yeah go see it but if you don't then uh just don't don't waste your time like that. I mean once again it's not wasting your time it's just if you have time there's better things to see um next thing oh yeah the Pantheon in Paris was really nice and it wasn't your like the same Pantheon in um in, in, in Greece that Pantheon uh was like a it was originally it was like a government building it was like their main hall but what they did is that they the building itself is in is like a plus sign, so there's like the it's a little plus sign. So there's like the I guess like the vertical stick, the horizontal stick, and then like the little square in the middle. So the building itself was in like a plus sign, but it seemed like every corner or every quarter, apart from the middle, was dedicated to one person, to like who helped with like the revolution of France. Uh, and everything in Paris, like everything in Paris was around Christianity due to the amount of its presence. Like uh, the uh, story or like the uh, dedicated spots were all people that contributed to like the Christianity and everything around it. I wasn't necessarily, I'm not necessarily Christian. I'm a proud Muslim. I'm a proud Muslim. And honestly, I, I didn't understand most of it. But I feel like if you are like a well-developed, de- well I want to say well-interested Christian and you know its history, then I think you might enjoy it more than I did. And I'd have, I had no idea about anything. But I still enjoyed it a lot because the entire setup was really nice. And in the, the paintings were really nice. The stories were nice. The sculptures, everything in that building was super nice. I definitely recommend it to anyone who's even near there because... You're not you're not wasting your time there. It's not it's not Versailles. Like you're you're gonna have the, you're gonna have your fun there. In the middle though, in the middle there's this really weird uh like thing. I don't even know what to call it. But like um you pretty I'm pretty sure you've seen it or whoever's listening. Uh, you've probably seen it. It's like where they like hang a paint can from like a really tall uh, area and like the slightest movement through momentum is just moving the paint can and like creating a design. I don't know why I'm thinking of the Dude Perfect video. For those who know, they like created art pieces using that technique. But it was like that, but it was like a clock. It was weird. And there was like a giant mirror on the floor. And but it looked like water. 
If you see it, you'll know. I might sound really confusing right now, but just, just go see it. Go watch it. Just, just so you know what I'm talking about. Going back to my notes, I want to point out again that the transit system in Paris was honestly absolutely amazing. Like, every, uh, every train station was so clean and so nice. And I think that my favorite part of the train station is that every time before there was an announcement, there was this little chime that they played, and it was so nice of a chime. I don't, I don't know. There was something about it, and it was just amazing. There was like every time that little chime played, I, I like I smiled because like that's really cool. I love it. And and honestly, that the transit system worked perfectly because you were stops at anywhere you needed to go. And simple, just get the day passes were really cheap, so you use it once and you have infinite uses for the next twenty four hours. So if you want to go from, for example, from my hotel to Versailles, for example, you have to take like a train, and easily you could switch onto a bus. Google Maps is your lord and savior during your trip in Paris. I just wanna let everyone know. Google Maps will help you a lot, even if you don't have data. Find like a cafe or those store where you have data, set your destination and have fun. Yeah, because you're not gonna get bored because Paris is that amazing. So one of the last things I want to talk about is uh, the Church of Sacre-Cœur, which was honestly my favorite church, and it was honestly the quintessential place for Paris because it had everything you would possibly need in such a little area just the area around i'm not going to talk about the church here i was going to start off that getting off uh the train or the tram and just looking outside and you're absolutely taking away because it literally looks like a movie set you know all those like stereotypical uh scenes in paris where like uh, it's like French buildings and like small roads and whatnot. It was literally that. It looked like a movie set. It looked so mesmerizing and so uh, like familiar because you've seen it before. You've seen it in like movie shows, whatever. You've seen it. It was literally, it looked like you're on a movie set. And going on to the church. Sakaka, for those who don't speak French... Uh, so the entire church was dedicated towards the heart of Jesus and like the kind and like how how like big his heart was and how like he died uh, for everyone's sins and whatnot. So yeah, so the Sakaka literally means sacred heart. So just the area around the church, there was this little platform and a little like courtyard in front of it and it literally had a view of the entire city. Granted, they did have trees and in a very annoying spot, so you couldn't see the Eiffel Tower. Damn capitalists. But, um, yeah, there was a very, very overhead, ni- very nice overhead view of the city and everything in it. And everything encompassing the city and overall, that was very nice. And the church, for those who know, um, the church, was its architecture looked like it was from Prince of Persia. Prince of Persia was a really, or not really, it was like an old like PS2, PS3 game about a dude who uncovered like mythical and like secret things inside like mosques or like just castles. Like either way, Prince of Persia was one of my favorite games growing up as a kid. 
and seeing a giant building looking like it's resembling from that, I was surprised I wasn't about to enter into a boss fight when I first entered the building. And the church was, once again, just like everything on this, uh, in the city, mind-blowing. There was a giant uh, thing, a giant thing. Uh, there was a giant design on the roof, which was like solid gold uh, plates. And then the parts on the sides were filled with like little cubbies and little areas for uh, people to pray. And I'm pretty sure there were even, I think there were one or two of the nails. I don't know, I think, I think there, was, there was something there, what happened when Jesus was crucified. They had some sort of like artifact. And I think it, I think it was a nail. It was like a shackle that Jesus had, or that Jesus was being, or that the shackles that were being used on Jesus. So yeah, there was a little like history part there. But overall, I think the Sakuka was possibly the my favorite church out of all of Paris. So, so the last thing I want to talk about for now is Charles de Lise. Uh for those who don't know, first of all, how do you not know? Second of all, if you are here, how do you not know? Because I'm talking about it. So, <laughs> so Champs-Élysées was, once again, so Paris is the, like, fashion capital of the world and everything. So, it was, so granted, there's going to be a lot of shops there. And Champs-Élysées is that main street, or that main, yeah, the main street where the Arc de Triomphe uh, where it has all like the main shops and everything and like like I remember there were like Dior, Versace and like uh, or LSV Wait, no YSL, not LSV. What the hell is LSV? LSV sounds like a disease. No, um YSL, so you have seen local. So there were giant buildings of like that looked like apartment buildings I don't know, those, like, just giant designs and whatnot, and, like, those, like, entire, like, everything, like, around it went into the alleyway. So every building was connected, and it kind of, like, the openings were into the alleyway, and there were a lot of, like, nice cars there, and it was super busy, and the streets were really nice, and overall, that street, I feel like, we didn't spend a lot of time on it, because we kind of, like, rushed through it, but I feel like if you had the time... Just go there and just enjoy the vibes of that place. It was even a Stranger Things like uh, building there. It was like they is the Stranger Things started this new like uh, I guess ad of sorts. This so the Stranger Things experience where you kind of like go through like the episodes and like create your own story and whatnot. They had one in Paris. It was really cool. I didn't go inside it, but like the building itself was very cool. And granted, I just saw the building and that was inside it. I think you'll like it. Uh, it's not in Canada yet, the experience. But they should, because it seems very cool depending on what, like, the videos and everything you've seen. So that's Paris. Paris, Paris, Paris. Escargots and French people. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> nah, Paris, Paris was everything, man. Paris absolutely changed my perception on what art is and what buildings are and overall I think Paris is something that everyone should enjoy take the time to look at it and one final point two final points at least my uh, final my da -da -da, I guess my traveling tips um 
want I want to say that language is a pretty big barrier there because like I said you're gonna want to see a lot of parts that aren't the main tourist attractions but outside of the tourist attractions English isn't necessarily a commodity it's not very common so having someone that speaks French like being like me I'm in French immersion so I'm speaking French I'm a clear speaking dude je parle en français <laughs> so yeah so I, I i i speak french and it helped a lot because it also for those like the people who like work in tour spots and they they, they give them like a bit of a formality of sorts if you speak just like even the most basic words of french they'll understand that you're not like a complete tourist and they can't really scam you properly you know so my last point or my last traveling tip for this episode uh, there was this shop or this little restaurant called Burger and Fries. I know it seems a little weird me recommending like American food in Paris, but oh my god, that place was insane. We were, we were in Paris for five days and we went there almost, I think, three times to eat because it was that good. The server, the manager there is really nice, the service is really good. The food there is absolutely amazing. Uh, we were there with two of my cousins. One of my cousins decided he was going to have his honeymoon in that restaurant. So I honestly just try it out. Even if you don't want American food or like you don't want a burger, let's just try it out, man. It was so good. There was so much food. And not even that. Like I know it sounds really dumb and really stupid, but the fountain drinks there were some of the best ever. There was like a 7-Up, there was like a type of 7-Up, there was like a mint 7-Up, and it was so good. And the fountain there was amazing. Like, you don't like the fountain drinks, so you get like McDonald's or whatever, and it's just like, just like water with like a bit of flavoring in it. Yeah, no, no, that's not, that's not a thing. Leave, throw that out the window. Those, that, it literally tasted better than if you got it from a bottle or something. I don't know what it was, some weird black market model or whatever. Uh, burger and fries, everything about it was absolutely amazing. 100% recommended. The food there is bomb. Tastes fire. Some of the best burgers I've ever had, honestly. And now that I'm done with that, that is the end of this episode. It was a bit of an eventful episode. I kind of made some really stupid jokes along the way. I'm sorry for you have to listen to those. And yeah, that is everything. I hope you have a great day. Thank you so much for watching. And yeah, bye-bye. <laughs> Bye, everyone.